Welcome, <clears throat> and good morning, Machias Church family. <clears throat> that was a real solemn thing that we just did, and hopefully we never take that for granted. And having it explained to us actually goes along with what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Jack mentioned it, and Josh mentioned it. We are, we are broken, and, and who we are, understanding who we are, and where we came from, and who God is, and what he's done for us, is a huge part of, of trying to live out who we are. You know, we, we need to know who we are. So we're going to talk about that today. Thank you, Jack, for, for that message, uh, as we really want to take what, what this really means when we do it. And it's very easy to take it for granted, and we don't want to do that. We want to understand what exactly did we just participate in, and did we honor God while we did it? So hopefully you had some time to think about what exactly we were doing and, and, and really give it back to God. Okay, um, let's have our kids up. Are you guys okay? You seem a little quiet today. How is everybody? How you doing? You know we're going to start Kids Jam this week. I'm really looking forward to it. Good to see you again and have so much fun. All right. So, <clears throat> I could have you answer, who are you? Who are you? You ever ask yourself that question? I know other people have asked you, who are you? And who are you? There you go. So, so we all have a name, but who are we? Who are we? So we're going to have a little illustration time, and I'm going to have my number one assistant. That's right. Yes. <laughs> all right. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. See, I have pictures of animals, right? A, a piggy, a kitty, a dog. What's that? Alligator. Alligator. Dolphin. A dolphin. Very good. Bunny. A bunny. Frog. A frog. A sheep. A giraffe. Yeah. And a panda. Good job. A panda bear. Yeah, it was a panda bear. And a chicken. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I am going to tape one of these things on the back of my assistant, all right? And you guys are going to try to guess what's on there in a minute, but here's what you're also going to try to do. He is going to try to guess, and he's going to ask you questions. How many of you have ever played the animal guessing game? Me. Yeah. And so he's going to ask you questions like, and these are yes or no questions, so don't say what it is, because he's going to turn around and show you. Don't say what it is. Don't give it away. And then he's going to say things like, well, do I have two legs or four legs? Or do I live in the jungle? Or do I live in the water? Or do I fly in the air? All yes or no questions. And you just guys tell him yes or no. All right? So I'm not going to let you see right now because I don't want him to know either exactly which one of these animals I'm going to put on here. 
Has to be kind of a surprise. Okay. Now, first thing I'm going to do, <clears throat> so this, he, he gave you his name, you didn't hear it, but he's, he's quiet. But now his identity is the animal that's on his back. Would you like to know who you are? Yes. Yes. We all would like to know who we are. We need an identity. So, you saw all of the animals. I'm not going to show you which ones are still in here. What is it? Come on, who are you? I don't know. He, he doesn't know because he doesn't know yet what it is. He needs to have an identity, and somehow he has to figure out who he is. Okay, hang on. So I'm going to allow you to ask me two questions. See if we can narrow it down. Okay, do I live in the water? No. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Okay, go ahead. Ask another one. Do I have fur? No. Okay. You can ask one more. Do I have four legs? Yes. Okay. Okay, so who are you? Still don't know. Still don't know. So he still doesn't know. Maybe a lizard. Maybe a lizard. Okay, so he doesn't know. So now, turn around. Uh, oh, oh. oh! Okay, pretend you didn't hear that. Uh, we'll instruct the jury to disregard anything they might have heard. Um, okay, so go ahead and ask him some questions. Go ahead and ask him some questions. Just pretend you don't know. What else? Oh, I already know what I am, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So <clears throat> he thinks because somebody told him. So go ahead and turn around again. Now you, go, you can all say it. Pig. Pig. Okay. Because I really want to know. This is this now. I'm going to be him. I really want to know what I am. And I tried to guess on my own and figure it out. And I asked a couple of questions, but I still don't really know who I am. And so I rely on others who see me, can see me on the outside, and they're going to tell me who I am. Turn around again. What is he? Turn around. Yeah, he's a frog. Okay, and because you guys can only see the outside of who he was, and he could see the inside sort of, but he didn't know who he was. But since I created all these drawings and I put them on there, I knew who he was all along. He was a frog. 
Now, that's kind of how we are with God. We all want to know who we are. And so we search inside of ourselves to try to figure it out. I need to figure out who I am and what can I do and and why should I be loved and, and what can I accomplish and am I really valuable to people? And I search inside myself and I can only guess, really, because the one who made me has the answer. So then I rely on other people. And they can see me on the outside, and I say, oh, well, you are a really handsome young man, and you probably have a lot of talent, and you can do a lot of things, and you must be really good. But they don't see the inside. Only God. So if we want to find out who we really are that's true, where would we go for the information? The Bible. Because God created us, he can tell us exactly who we are. Because a lot of other people and other things and even ourselves tell us things that aren't true about ourselves most of the time. They either don't know or we're confused or we practice something called self-deception where we trick ourselves into thinking something about us is not really true when it is or is not true when it isn't. All right? So, where are we going to go to find out who we really are? The Bible. That's right. We'll be talking about that again on Wednesday. Thank you very much for coming up. And thank you. Let's give our assistant a hand. I gave him a heads up before. We started, and it was. And I saw the eye roll. Oh no, not again! Okay, um, he, I, he, there's no question. He's my go-to guy. So I'm going to say the same things to you. Who are you? Do you know? Um, there's things coming at you from all sides all the time that are trying to tell you who you are. Most of those things are based on how you look, what you have or don't have, what you've done or haven't done. And there's a culture out there that's trying to tell you what you should be in their view. And then you have yourself. And you might say, well, I intellectually kind of know, or I know from Scripture, I've read the Bible, and so I know from Scripture what the Bible is telling me about who I am and what comes along with that and what I, where I came from before I accepted Christ and where I am now that I have accepted Christ. And I, I see the narratives in Scripture, but then life happens to me. And it hurts or it's complicated, or it's confusing, and I lose track, or I get to sending myself negative or incorrect messages about who I am, or I deceive myself and tell myself I'm not who I am. My proposition is this for you, that if you are going to... Now, now let me back up a little bit. 
Last year, about this time, we were doing a, a series on our uh, statement of faith, which was kind of a, let's go back to basics. This one is the same kind of thing. Let's go back to basics. We, I thought we had, we gained some really good things by doing that last time. Hopefully the same is true this time. So we're looking at how do I live out the biblical worldview, meaning when I look at myself and others, my world, my destiny, and my future, and the circumstances of my life, am I looking at those things using God's vision of them instead of my own? Because most of the time, mine is wrong. Okay, and, and since God created us, just like I went through with the kids, um, He knows all of those things correctly. We have a tendency to respond in a, in a fleshly way when those, when those answers come up, especially when life gets hard or confusing or painful or, or even sometimes too good. We respond differently, and we start to lose the true perspective of our reality when we don't look at all of those things through the biblical lens. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to do. So I, hopefully, it took me a while, <clears throat> we got through, how do I view God? And there were some things in there that we, that we really needed. To, when we look at life, how do I see God when things are hard? So hopefully you're able to gain some things from that. Now, the same thing is going to be true about how do I view myself? How do I view myself? Do I view myself the way God views me? Or do I view myself the way other people in my culture view me? Or do I view myself the way I'm trying to tell myself that I am? Or do I view myself the way God sees me? Because if you're really going to experience joy and peace in this life, for any significant amount of time, you're going to need that view. So there are some things. It's going to be very similar to the way we looked at last time. <clears throat> here's some things that aren't true, and here's some things according to the Scripture that are true. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. And hopefully at the end you'll understand who you are a little better, and they aren't exhaustive by any means. But here are some, there are going to be some common things where we stumble or where we get it wrong. And we're going to try to correct that using the truth of Scripture and so that you can move out from here. And if some of these things are issues with, with you, then, then you need to, to, to recognize that. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I think like that. Or sometimes I react like that. Sometimes I behave like that. And it needs to change for my own good and for the glory of God. Okay. Somewhere. You're going to have to advance for me, Andy, if nothing's happening. Okay. Oops. Now I'm, i got to go back. Okay. Prior to being saved, this is my other best assistant. All right. Prior to being saved, <clears throat> this is the world. This is the world. Hopefully it's not you. Prior to coming to Christ and being reborn and becoming somebody completely new, according to God, this is a lot of what people think. One, I'm basically a good person. I seem like I'm a pretty good guy, and I'm going to evaluate myself 
amongst everybody else by kind of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay, you're okay. How many of you ever read that book? I'm okay, you're okay. You're not. Neither am I. Okay. Um, basically, I'm a good person. That's the way the world is trying to tell us. In, in general, you're pretty okay until you're not, but then most of the time. So, God will accept me because I am more good than bad. I mean, talking to non-Christians. Say, um, <clears throat> what do you think happens after this? Well, you know, if you believe in an afterlife or not. Uh, what do you think is going to happen if you have to stand in front of God? Well, you know, it's kind of like a balance. And if I'm just a little more good than I am bad, I think that's going to do it for me. More good than bad. Uh, or, yeah, you know, I, got, I know I got some work to do. And if there is a God and he's looking at me, he probably think, eh, yeah, you probably need to work. But I think I can work that out. I think I can work my way back to God if I just really try and, and, and can change my life, and I think I can be more good, even if I'm not now. I can work at it, work on all these problems, and I can work my way back into God's good graces. I know, you know, I mean, I, there's way, way worse people than me, and so I'm going to try to move up the scale so I'm at least in the top half, and so then God will accept me. And... Um, I'm in control of my own life. You know, I understand there's a God and everything, but what, what I really need to do is I need to own myself, and you need to own yourself. And, and we're all in this kind of, for our, and, and it's your job to take care of you, and it's my job to take care of me, and, and I have the ability then to kind of determine what I'm going to be and who, what's right and wrong, my own moral standard, who I am, and what's going to happen, and I am in control, even though God made me maybe... And that's why I'm here. I really do kind of own myself. That's what the world's telling you. That's what you're hearing in commercials, among other things. That's what all the messages of, of popular culture in, in books and movies and, and uh, music videos are trying to tell you. And it's a lie. All of it's a lie. So let's just take a look. The Bible says, you're going to find, <laughs> oh, I actually missed a few things. You're going to find out what does the Bible say. It's all going to start with that. The Bible says, <clears throat> I am not basically a good person. I was born sinful and selfish and broken. I am not good. So this is before, now this is back before I became a Christian. This is called the total depravity of man. Now, there's a lot of people out there. Popular culture would tell you men can be good. In general, people, is, people are good. And we, if we just give them enough education and provide for their needs, we can create a semi-utopian existence because in general, people are good. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says I'm broken and sinful and selfish. Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, that doesn't mean that the act of conceiving was sinful, but what it's saying is, Eve, I was created from sinful material to begin with. It was polluted by sin. Everything that I came from 
was polluted by sin. There was nothing good in me. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or wicked. Who can understand it? So does the Bible paint a picture for man, fallen man, that gives him any sort of credibility as being able to be good on his own? No. No. And if the standard for God was perfection, does that put us in a bad spot? Absolutely does. Total depravity of man. Doesn't mean man is always as depraved as possible. We talked about this on Saturday again. Um, you know, John was pumping Sunday school. I'm pumping Saturday morning, guys. We talked about it a little bit on Saturday morning. Yeah, you know, there are people out in the world, and, uh, you know, we, we are all created in God's image, all of us. Um, we were given a conscience. And so people can use that conscience, and I believe that is from God, to say, well, I want to do things and I can, that are right and, 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 and are good, and that my society or my culture that I live in is going to tell me this sort of behavior is, is going to attract negative attention, so I'm going to go over here and try to do some of the nice things. And so it doesn't mean that all unsaved people are always doing evil all the time. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that man is totally depraved to the point that he can never do anything good. But he's, he's so broken, he, he started out no good. I mean, so on our own, we have nothing to bring to God. That's the truth of where we all started. Okay, instead of, instead of saying, um, <clears throat> God will accept me because I can do more good than bad, and I can find God on my own, and, and I'm acceptable, the Bible says No. I'm unwilling or unable to seek God on my own. I am unwilling or unable to seek God on my own. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, none is righteous, not even one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Okay, all of this to tell you, um, where did I start? Did I have anything to bring to God was I in trouble? And the answer is yes. Okay, so the Bible is telling me this is what I, this is what I used to be. Okay, and this is where I was come, this is where I came from, this is where all of us came from. We were in trouble with God because we were this. Not righteous, not even one of us. No one understands, no one seeks after God. All have turned aside and become worthless. Not, not one does good, not even one. It's very important to understand where you are now to go back and understand where you started. This is one of the first things when we're sharing the gospel. Why do I need to be saved? Why? Saved from what? I'm a pretty good guy. I do my best to be nice to people all the time, or at least most of the time anyway. And so I'm not really broken and lost. I'm just, you know, I have my times, but... I'm a pretty good guy, and if I can stay on that 50%, you know, the upper part of the 50%, I'm probably okay with God, and he's going to let me into heaven if there is one. If not, then no big deal anyway. That's not what the Bible says. Okay, but, but here's, here's this is going to be true. Um, <clears throat> we, we're, we're mostly um, ditch dwellers. We love it. We love to skirt off the road into one ditch, and then we overcorrect and go into the other ditch. And so most of us are struggling with things where I'm really un, 
lovable and totally worthless over here, or I am over here and I am really pretty good and other people really should be like me. Okay, so we don't want to be in the ditch on either side. Now, there, there are two different phases of your existence here. One of them is before I got saved. So this is, this is God trying to tell me this is where you started. Okay. Instead of, <clears throat> I can work my way back to God on my own. The Bible says, I am spiritually dead from birth, which gives me absolutely no hope for an eternal future. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you were dead in the sins and trespasses in which you once walked, all of us, following the course of this world, all of us, following the prince of the power of the air, which would be the devil, all of us, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's where you were, okay? You were dead. Okay, so, okay, Tim, you're, this is pretty depressing so far. you have any good news? As a matter of fact... I do. You're going to hear it soon. Okay, so do you get a sense for where you are? Now, what about the one that says I'm in control? You know what? I understand maybe there's a God. Again, this is before we're saved. I understand there was a God, and maybe he's out there and he created me, but I really need to live my life looking out for me and be in control of my destiny and what's right and wrong, and I get to decide who I am, I can find and create an identity of my own. And the Bible says no. In fact, I'm in control of nothing. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his own will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? <clears throat> in essence... Before we come to Christ, and hopefully it stops there, but it usually doesn't, we try to be the God of our own life. That's how unsaved people act. That, hey, this is my life, and, and I'm going to protect it, and I'm going to try to control it, and I'm going to try to determine where it goes, and what I do, and who I am, and what's right, and what's wrong. And we see it now in our culture a lot. That I'm the God of my own life, and I get to determine these things, and the Bible says, absolutely not. I made you. I'm in control. You control nothing. We crave control as people. Now, God created us. He created us with a will. He created us with some ability. He created us with the ability to have deep thoughts about things. And we crave to control our life and our environment. Okay. You can't. Now, let's talk about after you become saved. Let's just say, okay, I, I was there, and I was really in bad shape, and I was in a war with God I was never going to win. What am I going to do now? Well, God came down. He opened your eyes. You were reborn. You accepted the truth of the gospel message. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and now you're saved. He gave you a new heart, and he's working on giving you a new mind. But sometimes I still think 
I am unworthy of God's love and acceptance. You ever think that? You ever think that, why in the world did you choose me, God? Why in the world did you invite me into the family? You know what I'm like. Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I'm still doing in my head? I just, God, I mean, you either got to be blind or stupid or what, because what in the world were you thinking when you picked me? Do you know what I've done to you since then? Or the next one, I must be a real disappointment with God. I mean, if you're a parent, right, and you're a parent, and, uh, and, and you're raising your kids, and sometimes they, sometimes they do stuff, and you, you know, make, them, make you proud of them, and I mean, you should, still should always love them and everything, but sometimes they're doing things, and you think, oh, man, that's sure. Dis- I thought they knew better than that. Really? After all I've taught them, after all I've done for them, and they do that? And we take that attitude towards our Heavenly Father, and we think, huh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit, He sees it all. <laughs> we have this little sign above the door, <laughs> and it's, it, it's kind of funny. Maybe you'll think it's sacrilegious, but basically it sits on the corner of the door um, casing, and it's, it's a picture of Jesus, and it says, I saw that. <laughs> okay, God, I know you see it all, but come on, man, you got to be, what, what, be so disappointed in me. You saved me, you gave me your Holy Spirit, you forgave me, you gave me a new heart, you're trying to give me a new mind and rework the way I think, and I keep blowing it. You must be so disappointed. Because, if, frankly, if that's the way, if we could see all the things our kids were doing and, and thinking, we would be like, oh my goodness, are you kidding? <laughs> and so we, we take that attitude and that, and that viewpoint and we, we try to transpose it into God and say, well, he must be just really disappointed with me. Or then we think, okay, God, I know you saved me, but I can earn and keep your love and approval by just being good. If I can just obey, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to just, just work as hard as I can just to really be obedient so I can keep your love and deserve it and earn it. Okay, God, you saved me by grace. I get it. I get it, and thank you so much. That was wonderful. But I know now it's up to me, right? i got to really toe the line and fix myself because I was really broken, and I know you want me to be better, and you give me this whole list of stuff. Don't do this anymore and do this. And, and, and so, okay, man, it's up to me. I did that. I did that one. It doesn't work. It doesn't work very well at all. Okay, God, I, feel, I, I know I am so grateful that you saved me, but now, and now you, you've given me a boost, but now it's up to me. And I'm going to work hard. No, God, I'm a, I'm, I'm a driver. I, I, I'm going to set goals. I'm going to quit doing all these dumb things that I was doing before. And this is the other one that catches most of us. Jesus saved me, but my life really... Still belongs to me, and you know he wants me to use it for him and everything. But I kind of want to—I want some ownership stake in this. And we try to be a little bitty bit of God of our own life, right? 
How do I know that? Uh, experience, for one thing. But from Scripture, I know that what God wants us to do, what, what, how he wants us to think about our own life. Okay. And it isn't <laughs> that it belongs to you. But that one, you know, we get up every day thinking, ah, my plans today, I'm supposed to do this. I have these goals. I have these interests. I have these pleasures. I have these needs. Pretty much about me. And I'll throw a little bit of a, a, a prayer in there to start with. And maybe I'll read the Bible and check off my box. And, but God, pretty much, I got this lined up for today. Not really all that interested about what you have in mind. Very, very easy for us to fall into. So let's see. Let's just see. What does the Bible say? Okay. So the Bible said, instead of the fact that I am unworthy of God's love and acceptance, it says, I am worthy. Now, are we unworthy on our own? Every one of us. Every one of us. Nobody deserved it. Okay? Nobody. But, praise God. I am worthy of God's love because of what Jesus did on my behalf. I had nothing to do with that. Neither did you. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for you to choose him. He didn't say, okay, straighten up your act, clean up yourself, Get it all straightened away. Come in there. Maybe then, maybe then I'll consider taking you in. Like, that's what we would do, right? If somebody came off the street homeless and said, well, you're going to have to take a shower first, and you got to get rid of those clothes and cut your hair and, you know, square up some stuff first, then maybe you can sit on the back porch. That's not God. You're absolutely right. I'm not worthy. But I am now, not because of what I did, because of what Christ did in my behalf. While we were still sinners, since therefore we've been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Ponder that a little bit. You know, we're out there all trying to figure, we're, we're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out, do I really matter? Am I lovable? Am I worth anything? God says, you're a mess, but I died for you anyway. Now you have value. Now you have worth. Now you can be loved. Now you are loved. Now you matter. I want to keep God's approval if I can just be good now that he saved me. The Bible says, nope, God knew me. In fact, <laughs> see, he knew everything you were going to do even after you got saved, before he called you, before he saved you. He said, look, I know you're going to be a knucklehead afterwards. I saw it all. I'm going to forgive it all. Doesn't, it's not a license to be a knucklehead, but you're never going to earn this. I am not going to be disappointed in you because disappointment would mean that I am getting an outcome that I did not expect. Oh, man, I saved him. I gave him the Holy Spirit, and this is what he does? Oh, 
I am so disappointed, which is what we would be as parents. God says, look, I saw it all before I called you anyway, and I saved you anyway. For those whom he foreknew, foreknew. And that isn't just mean I knew about you. That means I knew you intimately in everything you were ever going to think or do before and after you accepted my son. And I love you anyway. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what he's saying there is, look, I saw it all. I foreknew you, and I called you, and I predestined it, and I justified you. I made you whole, and I'm going to glorify you in the end. All because of me, none because of you. You can find safety and security and hope and confidence in that, knowing that your salvation was not based on your performance, nor either is keeping your salvation based on your performance. It is based on the love and the grace of God and God alone. Okay, you saved me, but now i got to fix myself. No, the Bible says, I'm saved by grace, not by works. I cannot earn God's love and acceptance or keep it because of works. It's a gift. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, and not a result of works so that anyone would boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I don't want to abuse you time-wise. Talk about this too. You were saved by grace. You're being fixed by grace as well. You cannot, you cannot, you can say, okay, well, if I don't toe the line, it's going to affect my salvation. Well, then you didn't get saved by grace. You can't say, I'm saved, but if I don't keep doing what God wants, he's going to boot me out of the family. That, my friend, is not grace. That is grace mixed with works. So, If you indeed accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. You are going to continue to sin. It's not good for you. God doesn't like it, but he doesn't kick you out of the family for it. It's not a license to sin. Why would you want to? If you're a Christian, God has a plan for your life to give you peace and joy, and it means a constant path away from your old self to the new self for your good and God's glory. We start to think and become legalistic about our behaviors and, and, recog- and we don't recognize that not only were we saved by grace, but we are also sanctified or changed by grace as well. Hey. It's not okay to sin. It's not okay for you. Separates you in your daily walk from God. You need to confess it, repent from it, and move on, and allow the Holy Spirit to change you into the image of Christ, which you will do. But then we say, okay, I'm saved, and I don't know what to do with the sin that's still in my life, and so I, I, am, I am just in despair. I've lost all hope. I don't think God really loves me anymore, and I'm probably going to get booted out and go to hell. 
God hates your sin, and he loves you. That's why he died for you. He doesn't want you to sin. You shouldn't want to sin. And there is an answer. It's take your sin to the cross. It's repent of it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because that's his job. To help you be transformed to the image of Christ. I'm changed, but not by my own efforts, by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Who am I? I'm a child of God. Because of that, he not only saved me, but he's remodeling me as well. It's not by my own efforts. I get to be changed, but it's by the power of God's Holy Spirit within me. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification in the Spirit or of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you says in Titus, you know, I was saved not because of the righteous things I've done, but the washing and renewal of God's Holy Spirit. We're in this part of our life. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now in this part. It's called the sanctification phase where God is trying to change me. I have to look at myself the way God looks at me as I am still broken, but I am saved. I am still a work in progress. I am not there, but I I do not want to fall into the despair of thinking that I'm not a child of God simply because of my behavior. We have to see ourselves the way God sees us. Broken, but under construction. And that's where you are. Okay. Let's talk about the control thing. I'm no longer my own or have control of myself or my life, for I belong completely to Jesus. This is what the Bible says. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, this, not taking it out of context, this is actually Paul dealing with the problem of sexual, sexual immorality among Christians in Corinth. And he's saying, look, you guys think you get to make the decision of how you handle that part of your life. I'm giving you some enlightenment here. You, you don't belong to yourself anymore. We just celebrated how that purchase was made. What was the price? It was Christ, not only giving up his life physically, but he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be justified to God. The price was enormous. Okay. Let's get to the conclusion while we still have some time. I think that's it. Who am I? What's my identity? I'm a child of God. Saved by grace, changed by God, loved by God, kept by God, empowered by God, protected by God, and comforted by God. For I'm a child of God. What's my value? I am valued because God created me in his image and Christ died. On my behalf, his blood makes me worthy and rescues me from eternal death 
and gives me all of the status and benefits of being a child of God. That's who you are. That's why you have worth. That's why you matter. What's my purpose? I am in the li- this life to love God and love others. I am in this life to be conformed to the image of Christ. I am in this life to help God as a tool in His hands build His kingdom here on earth. I am here in this life to bring glory to my Creator. What is my destiny? I'm going to live in eternity with God, completely perfected, loving Him completely and others in the new heaven, in the new earth, and nothing can take that away. Seeing yourself through the view of others, seeing yourself using the view of the world will only lead you to despair. You need to see yourself in a realistic way. Never Never letting go of the fact that yes, you had nothing to bring, but now not overvaluing, okay, I, I've got it, and, and, and God, yeah, you're right, you deserve to save me. I, de- I deserve to be saved by you. Look how good I was. No. You need to understand and live in that balance that says, I was horribly broken, Jesus paid the price, but I'm a child of God. Otherwise, we'd start telling ourselves lies that we're either too good or we're not good enough. And there's no hope there. No peace there and no joy. So hopefully you can move forward and ask yourself who I am. And if you are questioning it, go to God's word. And he'll tell you. And then live it. All right, let's pray. Father God, we, um, boy, we wander around and we have a hard time seeing things the way you see them. That's what we want. We want to see things through your eyes. Who you are and who we are. And they're both very important. It's very important that we get both of those right. So, Lord, open our eyes if we need to have them opened anymore. Help us to live in the Word so that we can get your truth and live it. And we just ask this in your Son's name and give you all the praise in advance for how you're going to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.